Split Tube Media and a Synesthesia Podcast present a special daily October podcast. Hell, 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 hell. to the king, king, king. Jason, have you read Stephen King's books? Have you read Stephen King's books? Books, 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 King movie, a Stephen King movie. Movie a Stephen King movie. King. Movie a Stephen King movie. I have done my best to scare the shit out of you guys. <laughs> How did your cat get out? Yeah. Uh, so we have one window that's just, it's been open for the last two weeks, but with a screen. And I guess she just pushed on it. Okay. She's never been smart enough to do that before. She's the only cat I've ever met that, that can't open a door that's already partway open. She, if a door's like an inch open, she isn't smart enough to use her paw or face to push it more. She'll just sit there and yell at it. She's a real dumb cat. So, I don't know. She must have fallen out, honestly. Yeah, yeah, probably. I don't. Let's not let this leak this audio leak and get out there where Jim is canceling his cat for some reason. <laughs> I wouldn't cancel It's a real, cat. real cat disparagement. <laughs> yeah. If anything, she'll cancel me. She's gonna... Mm. That's true. Head off she'll just lay down on your face. Yeah, it's true. She does do that. She tries to smother me on the regular. <laughs> yeah. Dumb fur belly. I, uh... I made a joke, Frankie, about you laying eggs in my chest before yes, I watched I, this film. I just wanted to note that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it would be relevant. I was just saying nonsense. No. I didn't know what the reference was, if it was a reference to something. Nope. I don't know. I don't have any culture. <laughs> <laughs> we calling the missed culture now? Oh, no, no, no. I, no. Okay. (laughs) Unfortunately, it is culture. It's not cultured in any sense. I mean, there was some yogurt in that supermarket, I'm sure. Fact. Dairy and eggs. Said that on the wall. God damn it. Both of you. Wait, both of us were. The just the the biffs the the riffs Jesus Christ I was I combined bit and riff into one we word are, there we are biffs I would say we're biffs you are That's yeah true. we are totally biffs <laughs> um, I actually have some opening questions for Frankie oh Jesus oh do it do it do it do it we have a guest today I'm doing your job now we Jason do. hi welcome to Hell to the King. <laughs> Uh, this is Jason Michaelich and my co-host Jim Hickox. We will be. Uh, we have a guest today <laughs> named Frankie. Wait, are you taking I over my life? Don't know his last name. I will be teaching some That's classes important. next semester at BU. Feel free to sign up for them. I have a lot of good things to say. Are you dark halfing my secret window? Yeah, I am. Um. <laughs> okay, no, I have some way up from Mississippi. Oh. I, I, I just heard both of you doing this voice Same. on the episode now. So. Zip it. 
We're actually going to do the entire rest of the podcast. Please. Welcome all to Hell Kank, Frankie. Oh no! I'm not, I'm not like doing it. Very aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about a movie that was written by Stephen King? No, no, I regret this now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have some opening questions for our guest. Oh, it's not the opening anymore. You're too late. You missed your shot. Frankie. You missed your shot, Jason. I'm taking my shot. Um, Shooting your shot. You, yeah. you, uh-huh. uh, you are a listener to yeah. this podcast. Yeah, I am. Um, You're a so listener to this one here. <laughs> that you are familiar with some of the ongoing themes. Yeah. Um, including uh, my my ongoing difficulty with certain kinds of subject matter. Yes. Um, so my next question is: You have seen this film before? Yeah, I yes. have. Um, and so you you were familiar with what happens. I at knew the end what was going film. to happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't, okay. I, I believe that's all my questions. Uh, we're we're no longer friends. Um, I'll be trying on sweater. Is it Forever Twenty One? I assume that's where Andre Bauer shops. Presumably, I, I mean, he is Forever Twenty One. Yeah, in my heart, he's at least eternal. I did not know that you did not know <laughs> that that's what happened. So it seemed to fit so well within the theme that I thought you consciously It is, chose in many that. ways, the perfect closing film yeah, for the series. That's true. I, it is. Personally, Jason, I think it's deeply offensive that you chose this theme, given your particular situation. But. It does seem a little, a little passive-aggressive of you. Like, maybe you're mad at Gus for changing your life. I think that is the only way to interpret it. This is cool, guys. Let's do some funny bits. <laughs> Let's do some some wacky hijinks. These are our, these are our classic classic bits that we're gonna do here, everybody. We're gonna do some bits. Um, this movie gave me a for real anxiety attack. Did it really? Wait, the whole time, or just at the end? Or no, play it down I for mean, me. not not a panic attack. A panic attack is like a sudden thing. Yeah. It gave me an anxiety attack from after I watched it through to about an hour ago. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Really? Wait, how long is that? I don't know when you watched it. I watched it last night. Okay. Okay. That's really? It, wow. <laughs> Jason, you are a, a dupe right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're such an easy mark for... Because <laughs> here's the thing, Jason. I'm just going to jump right... So this we watched The Mist. It's about some people. They're stuck in a grocery store, and then Stranger Things happens, and there are monsters. Um, and check out Stranger Things on Netflix. Yeah, watch that. It's Season 8, show. it's still going. Yeah. Uh, the, Season 8, The Ocean. <laughs> the... So the main character in this movie, who isn't, who is, starts the movie having just painted, well, I don't know what he's painting at the beginning, but he has recently painted the poster to the thing. So I was like, oh, this movie's about Drew Struzan, brilliant genius painter, uh, but it's not. He has a different. He's named David or something. Who cares? Uh, but he in in this movie painted the poster for the thing. That made me a little mad. Anyway, he has a kid, and then he's trapped in a grocery store, and there are monsters. And legitimately, Jason, the kid is in this movie in two scenes. He's in the very beginning, and then three times he's in the background being held by a blonde woman, and then he wakes up at the end of the movie just in time to be shot in the face. That's He's not a character. <laughs> he's not... He's just a thing they put in the movie symbolically so that Tom Jane, the most boring Punisher, could be sad at the end of the movie. 
I, so that is true. For me, I was like, this one is definitely not going to kill Jason's psyche because this kid uh, isn't even, he's barely a prop. You see, you see a pistol more than you see this kid. You see the Range Rover more than you see this kid. Everything you see, I, the, the can of peas that gets thrown at Marsha Gay Harden more than you see this kid. <laughs> um, He's barely set dressing. You can hear him on the soundtrack in almost every scene of horror. I am screaming in the background. I do. He Jim is right. He's in very few scenes, but that one scene where he's asking Thomas Shane if he oh, and right, Andre Brower yeah. are going to be like friends now because they seem like in the entire time I watch the movie, I'm thinking a lot of things when that kid like says, "Are you guys going to be friends?" What did Thomas Jane do to Andre Brower yeah. before that made them like uncomfortable? I have to imagine that he's playing some kind of a racist character <laughs> and that the kid is like, oh, can you say like the N word now, dad, if you become friends with him? Wait, did the kid say that? You're putting that on. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I'm imagining that that's what that kid is meant. Like he wanted to ask that question and that got cut from the movie. I, He's so precocious. The actor or the character? <laughs> Jimmy Franklin. Yeah. Because in the movie, Andre Brower's character recently sued uh, Punisher's character, and that's why they're not friends. Yes. But I like but your version kid, where also in the real child. world, uh, the child Tom actor. Jane is super yeah. racist. Well... I mean, I do like to imagine that this movie takes place in the Punisher universe. Yeah. After he loses, yeah. Which Punisher universe? His Punisher. Wait, okay. Is he? He's not in both. Is of he them. in multiple Punishers? Yeah. No, he's, just, he's only he's in just, one. But I yeah. didn't know if you were saying that this took place no, like, in the Punisher this, universe. No, no, somewhere, no, no, no. somewhere else, Dolph Lundgren is running around being the Punisher. <laughs> yeah. And Tom yeah. Jane is just a sad guy who shoots his kid he's, in the face. Wow. Or what's his name from The Walking Dead? Who's a Punisher now? Oh wait, that's two Punishers that Darabont's got. Oh, wait, really? True. Has he made multiple? Yeah, I wonder if he's got any other Punishers. They should call him Big Pun. Yeah, he made he made the first season of Walking Dead, and one of the dudes from that is the Netflix Punisher. Yeah. So very interesting. I <laughs> seems like it went as far as it could go, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I was just talking to someone the other day about how nobody walks out of movies anymore because they are very expensive and you have bought a hamburger. Um, which yeah. I think for the most part is true, but Andre Brower walks out of this movie in the middle and he is in it. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, peace out, everyone else in the mist. I'm taking three days and leaving. You will never see me again. <laughs> we're we're going to go to Orange Juice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can find me in the in the food court of the mall when the when the screening's over. <laughs> uh, My favorite scene in this whole movie is when they introduce Andre Brower and he's all yelling to himself the directions on the side of the chainsaw for how to start it, where it's like choke, pull twice. Full speed, pull twice more. Because that's my weed whacker has that on the side too. I'm very familiar with it, and it is nonsense. And I understood how he felt in that moment. Can I say uh, Andre Brower is a strong entry into a number of lists we've been compiling? Mm. Uh, one of them is only black man in a Stephen King film. <laughs> only black. No, there well, were no. There these were are other we also have Melvin unnamed Van roles and there, Scatman there are, for others. Yeah. 
Well, that's true. But e- even in the mist, there's like a few token other black. But you don't see them really until Andre Brower leaves really them don't. out to die. That's, that's right. The only like, time I'm leaving appear. with my people, yeah. and you're like, oof. Is that, I mean, is that what we're doing right now? <laughs> uh, but no, he goes on the list of uh, people who have had really good careers mm. but deserved yes, even better. Correct. I, yeah. Um, that deserves to be like the lead in a dozen super awesome movies. Agreed. Uh, also mm. goes into the list for Twelve Angry Men. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. he is one That's of the true. angriest yeah. men alive. When saying anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even when speaking but quietly. In this movie, he's half the time being kind of nice, and he still seems furious. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's that moment where Thomas Jane, like, they when they first get to the store, and he says to, like, the kid, oh, yeah, go with Andre Brower yeah. into the store and, like, hold his hand. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a way to go with me. I don't... I don't know that I would feel comfortable as an adult man holding his hand and walking into the store, but he seems too angry for that. But also, who else is hundred percent hold Andre Brower's hand and walk into a grocery okay. store? All right, oh yeah, that's where we. If he's going to throw me into a display of of canned goods, he's going to throw me into a display of canned goods, and I'm going to mm-hmm. live with that. <laughs> um. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pull another pull another standard guest question out. Oh, boy. Where do you get your ideas, Frankie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, why do you hate me? No. Uh, <laughs> what you you I I I gave you the pick of some movies and you you threw back out some ideas, but you were definitely like into doing the mist. I was. And I was just wondering if you wanted to to say a little something. This is we haven't actually introduced him. This is Frankie Venaria who is a a very good friend of mine, a film scholar in his Mm. own right, an expert on Guillermo del Toro and uh, contemporary uh, Mexican-American cinema. That's right. Uh, But uh, The Mist, The Mist is the film that he chose out of all of these to to be a guest on. So I was wondering what what attracted you to The Mist. I will say, for one, it was not the theme of the movie, which is that killing your child is okay i i thought it was weird when i said that let's do this and you said great i can't wait (laughs) so uh i i had watched the mist very recently (laughs) i had watched it a couple months ago for the first time and i (laughs) had remembered i remembered hearing a lot about it when it came out that Marsha Gay Harden's performance was great, which That's is fair. very entertaining. Yeah. And that the ending was like one of the incredible movie endings, which, you know, I didn't believe. And I still don't think it is, but it's good. No comment. <laughs> I, wait, can I, I don't want to like be the one. I feel like I'm always the one who jumps this train too early in the podcast, but I'm going to do it again. Oh, here goes Jim. Uh, I think that if we hadn't, I think this is fighting with Cujo for the worst movie we've watched this whole month. <laughs> Just thinking about Cujo fighting a mist. Yeah, biting at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been into it if Cujo was in the mist. If he, if it's, instead of yeah, Just a real man yeah. dog. Um. Mm. So so. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back here uh, and and allow my pulse to sort of mm-hmm. return to a normal human's resting mm-hmm. rate 
mm-hmm. at its own convenience. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can take it from here. And uh, I I'm going I'm to let you and him fight. Um, uh, a positive about this film: we get Francis Sternhagen back from Misery. The 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 oh, delightful. Yeah. She gets two moments in the whole movie, but they're both really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's the only good thing I have. There's a lot of good people in this movie. Uh, William Sadler and David Jensen as a duo of repairmen. I feel like yeah. there's sort of a runner in the podcast where there's a dude that we're like, ah, that guy should have a whole TV series, and I would watch William Sadler and David Jensen as refrigerator repairmen as a as a series. <laughs> um, there don't even have to be CGI tentacles everywhere they go. They could just d- deal with refrigerators, and I'd be fine with it. <laughs> and and William Sadler can say things like uh, like uh, what did he say? The next time you got something to say, you count your teeth. It's <laughs> a great line. I one of the weirder things about the movie was so in this world, both Thomas Jane and Andre Brower are like the out. New York out of town like Thomas Jane lives in the town yeah. consistently yes. but Andre Brower doesn't but they're still positioned as like outsiders because they like they call Tom, like Thomas Jane's position is some kind of like intellectual but yeah. he's also like just paints the posters for movies and, and they all hold him in really high regard exactly like why do you need two characters who are fun- functioning the same as like in that way but Thomas Jane is also like the the Gary Cooper of the town and like everyone knows and loves yeah. him so confusing to me I think that's why Andre Brower walked out he was halfway yeah. through shooting he was like you don't need me <laughs> it did strike me I'm gonna say 20 to 30 minutes into this movie that it was a very ham-fisted metaphor for disasters and people dealing with them uh and until then i I was unsure what all the characters were supposed to be but as soon as i was like oh i get it i see what you're doing here then i then everyone kind of clicked into place for me that to me like that's like it feels like such a bush era movie like a post-katrina movie in that like you just i'm i'm because the second time i watched i'm like okay it takes forever for anything to actually, like, the military to come. Yeah. And to the film's credit, when the military does come, it does not, like, solve all of the issues. Wait, everything at the very, very end? At the, at the very, very yeah. end. Like, it doesn't solve the issues of Tom Jane having just murdered of, four people, including yes, his son. Yes, exactly. Sure. Exactly. So, <laughs> so like, in, in, like, contradiction to all of the other apocalyptic movies where you would see some kind of you know heroism of the troops or whatever that that is not really happening here but at the same time it's weird to do that in a movie that is almost exclusively about white characters in a white town and sort of be appropriating (laughs) that that idea of a delayed or inefficient government response it is very ham-fisted but that that is part of the appeal and that thomas jane can't like the appeal to whom frankie well the uh, the appeal for an audience that wants to feel something very like poignant in the sense of gut-wrenching 
Did you feel like your guts were wrenched? I did not personally, yeah. but I I liked the incongruity between there's that moment in the beginning of the film where that woman and you see her come back as like one of the people who gets rescued. She says, oh, I want to yeah. like find find my kids and in one of the interesting choices in the movie, he like says, No, I'm not gonna like escort you to find your kids. Yeah. I have my own kid to worry about. But then the whole the rest of the movie is him becoming an action hero and like taking charge of the grocery store. So I wish that they had done it more that he's just like a shitty guy who doesn't really care about anyone yeah. and then that that's the guy that kills his kid. It's just not a particularly good character. I like that revision. I think that's a nice. I think that's a nice edit. I uh, there's like the um, the whole sort of runner through the film is is Marsha Gay Harden is a religious zealot who's whipping everyone up into a frenzy, and and uh, Tom Jane is. I keep forgetting his name because it's just two really boring names. Um, it, he's j- j- kind of just a guy a, who doesn't believe. Lanyard Spackle. Yeah, Lanyard Spackle <laughs> is uh, is in there uh, running with the with the non-believers who are gonna deal with the monsters face on or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I feel like, and this, I think this, you were saying that a thing that was pointed out to you is that her performance is good, and I do think her performance is very good, but I also feel like she is, for most of the movie, the only person in the movie who's performing on the level that is necessary for the movie, because I feel like most of it is just people expressing very serious feelings and saying very serious things, but it's just so fundamentally idiotic and and I don't buy anything. They're all just like yeah. snarling into the distance, into this CGI mist while like a giant CGI spider with a skull face runs around. That there's it. It feels like it's on two completely different levels. And Marcia Gay Harden feels like she's in the movie, and everyone else is underneath it in a different movie. Which I think for me is maybe partially why. Then at the end, it's. I feel like I can understand how the ending would be poignant if it were well done, but it's it's mm-hmm. two hours of stuff I don't care about, and then and th- yeah. that leads into three minutes of serious, serious grimace faces while four people in a car are, are grimacing, and the music is. And it's just, it's impossible to feel anything that isn't ridicule. And then he shoots his kid, and his kid wakes up just in time to be shot in the face. And it's like, it's so tragic that it can't not be funny, especially because you don't care about any of those people at all. Uh, See, I don't think, for me, the ending is not that he kills his kid so much as... No, he does. He kills his... Well, okay. Oh. Oh. Um... (laughs) But not so much that he kills the kid, which, I mean, I know, sensitive, but that he does it, and then, and then like, two seconds later, help sure. arrives well, yeah. after no, that. I, under- I, think, I understand that that's I think, the irony. <laughs> like, like, the, yeah, because one of the, we talked about, or you mentioned Del Toro before, one of the other movie posters that he paints is for Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, you that's can funny. see in the corner there. So it's weird that it is referencing that movie where another child gets shot and something different happens in that movie but it it's trying to i don't know it's trying to tap into some kind of 
loss of innocence or whatever that's going on with children but that's also like part of king's stuff too of course i don't think i don't think it's super compelling but i agree uh it's yeah i um i do kind of like that at the at the end of the movie he murders all the people and then seconds later the military rolls up but they they specifically roll up from behind him which means that if they had just gotten in his Land Rover and sat in the parking lot for two hours, they would have been fine. <laughs> um, it's really, it was driving. Or however long they've been driving yeah, who uh, knows? to run out of gas. I imagine so. they can't have been driving that long because, what was that, like a, a late 80s Toyota Land Rover? What's that thing get? It's 14 miles to the gallon. Plus, he's driving three miles an hour. I don't. I did. Well, that, I mean, that, that might be city. What does it get missed? Oh, that's true. Yeah, probably way more. Uh, I did like that he had 45 lights on the car everywhere. I think that was the (laughs) the correct choice. Um, You know what I really think... You know what I think would have made this movie better is um, Adrian Barbeau doing radio broadcasts from a lighthouse and Ghost Pirates. (laughs) Both of those things would have made this film a lot better. (laughs) I so here's my debate is that I, I at first I thought that this was the worst movie we had watched but then um they set a guy on fire and I was like ah maybe it's better than Kuja set a guy that, on fire after a pratfall yeah he falls down they set yeah. him on fire he runs around the inside the store like, uh, oh and then Tom Jane beats a pterodon to death with a mop handle that's pretty good <laughs> Anna but like really like, like beats way it beyond. and it's dead yeah. but then like keeps beating it yeah. for maybe 10 minutes while everything around him is going completely insane yeah. and his son is almost shot for the first time yeah 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 it's while Toby Jones is trying to shoot his son not he's trying I mean, to shoot his son that Whatever. that's something we haven't talked about yet Toby Jones is a delight like a pro- he's great but he's also playing like a proto alt right guy of just like I'm I that's the only way I can read that character is just being psychotically violent and misogynist and racist. It just I, out of nowhere, this nerdy little guy is just like packing and is ready to like pop off. Is that why? Point. Because if a guy looks like a basement guy but also shoots guns, you assume he's yes. He's all, that's fair. I'm pro. I'm pro profiling yeah, in this yeah. respect. You're like, yeah. oh, he's definitely an incel. I mean. You you look at him, Jim, and you tell me that he is fucked at all. I think Toby Jones has fucked. No, I mean the character. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know, man. No, this this podcast has a firm stance that Toby Jones fucks. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. Big dick Toby Jones. <laughs> uh, this movie really fucked me up. I Yeah, you you have not said much about I, it. I I'm a little surprised. I think you my I'm cheered to hear you describe it as a bad movie. <laughs> I think I may have just it maybe it was that I was watching it really late at night. Maybe it was that I've just completely left myself open cuz I did not realize what the film was about. Yeah, sure. Um like I was expecting a a more like First of all, I wasn't expecting tentacles to come out like boom right away, Agreed. and for there to definitely be something in the yeah. mist. I thought the whole movie they were going to be like, mm-hmm. "Is there or isn't there yeah, something yeah. in the mist?" That was my but initial. In yeah. keeping with Jim's very uh, salient thesis about Stephen King movies, yeah. he there says is no there's going to be stuff. In it the is mist. exactly what that is <laughs> yeah. immediately. 
all the so time. A dude runs um, in yelling at the beginning of the movie, there's something in the mist, it grabbed a guy. We should have all known <laughs> there was something in the mist, it's um, going to grab some guys. But I think maybe because it was late and I hadn't prepared myself, that first one got me. Like, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. And I never really came back from it. Like, I maybe if I look at this in the cold light of day another time, and I'm able to somehow distance myself from the fact that it's about a father with a son in a horrifying situation, which just colored every single moment of even the film though, for Jason, me. Even though Tom Jane expends more energy getting away from his son 100% of the time <laughs> than doing anything else, it still worked on you? He was aggressively like, I don't want to deal with this child. He, he They show up at the grocery store and he gives it to Andre Brower. And then he meets a blonde lady who's nice and he's like, you take care of this thing, please, as long as you can. And then every time he goes anywhere, he's like, someone else, I don't want to see this kid. That, I mean, that's one way to read it. But I... No, he, he's running around, he's trying to solve the situation, he's doing mm. what you would have to do in that situation, which is you can't just sit with your kid. He, um, even though that is what you want to he do, shovels you the have kid to go and see what you can long do. before there is an issue. <laughs> well, the Andre Brower thing's a funny bit. Yeah, but right? even he's after like, that. He's, he's he, needling Andre Brower. He, he never the kid wants to be there is the kid. blonde woman, to the older woman, yeah. to the middle-aged Even woman. when they're sleeping, Jason, there are periods where they're, they are sleeping and you would want to be near your child and he's letting the kid sleep next to the blonde lady. There's a period near the end where they're running out to the Range Rover and Tom Jane is running 30 feet in, in front of everyone else, not protecting <laughs> his child even a little bit. If he cared about that kid, he would be carrying the kid or standing next to the kid but instead poor blonde lady is left to protect his child while he barges out t- t- to his four-wheel drive um look i mean none of this is incorrect and i don't have any interest in defending this movie fuck this movie um, know, it seems like you're death. the one who's defending it. um but i have seems to be like honest that fan. while i was watching it it just bugged me out um and again it must be because if the movie is what you're describing it is it must be another situation (laughs) it must be another cujo where just the fact of this this kid being there the fact of it being a father who at least in some scenes performs love you know for his child um you know picking him up and talking to him and the child being scared and the and thomas jane being constantly worried about you know everything that's going on but like Every time there were monsters, I was bugging out. Every time monsters were killing people, I was like, "Mm, I don't like it. (laughs) Like the skull face spiders scared the crap out of me and the bugs popping out of people's bodies Um, and the pteranodon and the bugs stinging people so that they swell up and die and crab monsters grabbing people out of the mist. And like every single thing I couldn't stop. And I was wondering, I was sitting there being like, why am I reacting this way? They're just, it's movie monsters. And I'm having like genuine gut level visceral reactions to every single time there is a threat. And it didn't, when it, what I realized what happened is when it hadn't ended by the time I woke up this morning, yeah. mm. like I was still just thinking about mm. all of the monsters from the film. It felt like I was four years old and had <laughs> accidentally seen something too scary on television wow. and then was thinking okay. about it for days because yeah. I couldn't process it. That's an so amazing like, thing to have as an adult. spiders have been haunting me all day. I'm sorry. And it's not fun. But I'm also a little jealous. 
audience at home, uh, Jason's drawn some great artwork to accompany this, and I can tell you for sure, uh, these monsters have fucked him up pretty good. So, this is great radio, but Jim Oh, yeah, he's got a bunch of little doodles of monsters. I mean, Jason, you needed to have the experience that I did of this movie of just imagine, like, for instance... Of seeing it childless? <laughs> seeing it childless, yeah. for one. You should watch it again but in maybe eight years, Jason. For, for, yeah. For Jim, the, what do you know? Um, what? Am I going to be childless in eight oh, years? Oh, no, no, oh, but you Jesus. know, he'll be an adult then. <laughs> um, I mean, he will have, he will have legally sued to not have to deal with you anymore, is what I'm saying. He will. True, <laughs> he'll, true. He's going to Andre Brower me. Yeah, yeah, he'll just walk out in the middle of the day one time. Uh, Go start his own movie. Me, Go star in Brooklyn he, Nine-Nine without you. When he, to change the subject and protect my friend, <laughs> when he gives... Yeah, his friend, Jim. Yeah. His friend. Wait, you're the one who didn't warn me. God damn it, I have no friends. For, for the record, I didn't know that my picking it was like, I thought that you had watched it already. No, I haven't watched most of this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it, I, look, there was no way we were not going to do The Mist. There, there was no way we were not going to do The Mist. We could have, we could have just respelled the... it the M-I-S-S-E-D and... <laughs> Done a whole episode on how not watching anything. Uh, But it it is worth pointing out uh, that it is one of the most critically lauded Stephen King adaptations. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, of 2007, it was called one of the best films of I don't I forget by whom, but one of the best films of 2007. Which was it? Tom Jane? Did Tom Jane say that? (laughs) (laughs) Was he like, if you're going to watch any movie starring me this year? Maybe this one. Like Dar- <laughs> Darabont is considered the gold sting of gold thing, the thing, the goldenest thing, the gold sting of handered banders, the gold standard of King adaptations uh, of adapters. What else has he I done? I can't speak anymore. Um, he is considered he, the gold standard of King adapters. He did Shawshank and he did the okay. Green Mile okay. and then he did the Mist. Okay, I, this is the only one I've seen now, and this one is terrible. So everyone is wrong. Take it from me, a man who has watched too many Stephen King movies in a very short period of time. Well, they are wrong. They are wrong about both of those. <laughs> I will say, Jim, The Mist is the best one of the three of them. Oh, is so that true? What? Take that for for whatever that means. That means I will continue that, to not watch the other two. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely do not have to. They both suck. Um, but you need to see... like. I will say, if you see this movie twice, like I have, it, I will not. It does not. It does not hit you the second time. It is pure. It didn't hit me the first time. Okay. Well, it won't hit Jason the second time if he waits until his. There will yeah. not be a second okay. time. God damn. You should, Jason. Someday, no, I will if say you find that you're not affected uh, by ch- child harm storylines again someday in the future. Uh, I would like you to rewatch this just so you can tell me that I'm right. I will do that. I also do have to admit that I kind of wanted to watch the black and white version. Wait, there's a black and white version? version? Darabont's preferred version is in black and white, but they wouldn't let him release it that way or shoot it that way. I mean, he shot it on color film. Um, But but he... The story would be better if he shot it black and white and the studio demanded that they colorize it like Ted Turner style. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, did he want to do it in black and white to make like the racial themes even more? <laughs> did he want to do it so his CGI monsters wouldn't look awful? 
Yeah, and I will say honestly, for my money, the the, the monsters that are in the it. mist. Yeah, things are that are very far away are fine. And I, I was confused. I did have enough of my critical faculties around me to be wondering why he has this built-in tool to make CGI not the worst, yeah. which is everything's which is in the mist. mist. Yeah. But then during the like siege on the supermarket, they just have everything fly inside into which, the bright yes, lights. And it's like, okay, now they look terrible. Yeah. Ugly. I was still terrified of them the entire time, seeing. or rather, I was still just like in the midst of a like episode the entire time. But it, they still look terrible. Yes. Can I? Uh, so I want to give Frank Darabont credit for one decision that he made. Um, I'm assuming that he made somebody made it and he okayed it probably, um, which is that right after they push, they, there's like a military guy that they all blame and stab yeah. and then push out into the mist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right, mm-hmm. right after they do it, the camera does a really slow uh, pan across um, 85 people's faces and they all <laughs> turn away from the dead man to look towards Marsha Gay Harden. And as soon as it gets to Marsha Gay Harden, she says, I think, something. And then there's a fade out, but it's a light gag. They they, they fade out all the lights in the store to black, and it's primo. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one good choice. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm at sixes and sevens. I, I'm, I'm lost in the woods because I went to bed thinking that I was going to have to talk about this movie being good because it was so effective on me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still talk about but, that. Talk about it, Jason. Well, but I, I don't... Well, I have tell to, me, tell me how I, it affected you. But I, but I Jason, don't... Jason, relive, relive how it made you feel mm, out loud to me. Yeah, we, Jim hasn't been listening for the first part of the episode. I, Jim hasn't so. been listening for <laughs> about 15 days. days yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was just worried that I was going to have to... Could, so so here's, here's where my thought process was. I was furious at the film i was furious that i had watched it um and I'm glad i picked it I- incredibly well upset done, well done. uh I, I i went to bed and stayed awake for an hour holding my son Aww. uh before i could get to sleep and the but then in the morning i was thinking well i i hate this movie mm-hmm. i hate mm-hmm. it from the bottom of my heart but that is because I had a very visceral emotional reaction to it. And I was wondering if I wasn't so keyed up on this one particular issue, would I be looking at the ending and thinking that's actually a really daring ending for a Hollywood film to go that dark, that hard, to really take a film that, positing that all of the monsters and all of the scares and tension setups really worked on me, at least in this viewing... If I can say that about a film that all that I got really tense during all the times I was supposed to get tense and that it really took me to a bleak, dark place at the end, that's fairly impressive. Yeah. 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 It sounds like you watched a good movie, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> that I hated. Yeah. Sometimes we hate the movies the most that, that work the best on us. That said, I do think that it's bullshit and that it isn't actually a good movie and that I was artificially keyed up because you know you know as soon as the run out of gas what is going to happen you know that they're going to kill everybody and then you know that they're gonna they decide to shoot everyone in the face literally seconds after running out of gas it takes them (laughs) it takes them less than 15 seconds to decide that they all need to die but you also knew or at least i knew 
and I was hoping the movie it wouldn't do this only because I knew it would make me so angry yeah. that they're gonna pull a super shitty like dark joke and just have sure. the fog you know sorry the mist and I did I, I appreciate the concept of that ending and I think in a different movie where it is earned or done well it could be a good ending yeah, because that's the other thing, is that, as you're saying, and, and this is what I, I wanted to say, but I was afraid that I was just being defensive and trying to find ways to tear the film down so I didn't have to admit that it affected sure. me. But none of them are human beings. No. They're all of these cartoon yes. caricatures that are acted with the, you know, the, what you call, codes yeah. of serious acting yes. for the most part. But with but nothing behind them. not actual substantive people none of at them, all. None of them is at all a character. Um, I completely agree with you about Marsha Gay Harden being the only one who's really matching the tone of the film. Yes. But it's not the tone of the film as Frank Darabont understands it. Frank Darabont thinks he's making something very like deep and poignant and about people yeah. and about the way that you know humanity is... And that he's really saying something, man. And all he's saying is "fuck you." See, but I don't think I don't think you need fleshed out characters or real people to be making a comment about society. No, but you need characters oh, no, no, to no. In, enjoy a movie or identify with them or have any feelings at all. I do, at least. I don't know. <laughs> well, you could also have a fully alienated experience. Sure, like, if you sure, have if somebody that's what like Russia Gay Harden. If everybody's performing on that level, yes. then you're going to be processing because it as this heightened, yeah. performative commentary. She is operating as a symbolic being. But instead, everybody's trying to make you connect yeah. on a human level. Yeah, it's like Darabont and, gave them human. this script that's made of caricatures and was like, I need you to act the hell out of this. And they were like, oh, yeah. okay, I trust you because you're the director and that's your job. But it turns out, yeah. maybe not great at that job. I feel like a giant spider with a dumb skull head is a great monster in a movie that it understands, in, in the movie that Marsha Gay Harden's in, right? In a movie where your monster is a giant spider with a skull head that spits, that spits acid webbing, and you aren't trying to have people act with such gravity as, yeah. you know what I mean? In a movie where you're, where you're accepting that. If you were making The Thing and that was a monster, great. I love it. That's a great monster. In this movie, it was so idiotic. I still can't think of that spider without getting sick to my stomach. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm having like a, a galvanized fight or flight response every time I think of that goddamn spider. <laughs> I will say, I, with the exception of like the pterodon thing, with which looked like absolute shit. Yes, I thought the the CGI part of it aside, I liked the designs of the monsters. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I like the designs. But, I don't think they fit in this movie, but I yeah. like them. I, with Marsha Gay Harden's performance, like, that to me is just another very much Bush-era type character of, like, the very quaint idea of, well, religious psychos are the worst thing sure. that you can have happen, and they'll, yeah. like, galvanize you and whatever. You it's know. also a very Stephen King idea. For sure. Yeah. But, but both of religious psychos and also just of sort of galvanizing uh, the, the fascistic massive. leaders. Yeah. You know, yeah. you yeah. have Dead Zone, you have The Stand, etc. But, I mean, I guess to me, that's why I don't maybe read her performance as on as high on as high of a level as you guys do like she reads me as very clearly like a cartoonish character without a real psychology or oh no i agree with that yeah but i think she is playing it as that and i think the other people are 
written as that and are trying to play them as though there is more to them than that. Okay. I feel like Marsha Gay Harden felt like the actor who understood what movie she was in, and okay. everyone else felt like they were trying to act against the script. Too. I see. Right. Like Piper Laurie and Carrie. Yeah, like Piper Just Laurie to bring and us Carrie. full circle. Yeah. And uh, I would say to Frank Darabont, they're all going to laugh at you. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, we should probably fade away into the mist soon. Uh, did you? I'm, I'm sorry, Frankie, that you just guessed it on an episode where I was just mad at uh, me the whole time the whole time i want to say for the record i bought gus a present so i'm not a bad person (laughs) is it a stuffed skull face spider (laughs) no but he would love that he would but you would hate it yeah he would love that we did i I took him on a walk today and we had to stop at a house that had seven skulls in front (laughs) of the house so that he could say hi to each skull that's Correct. So he he would That's have a, a better time child. watching the movie than you would, I think. Yeah, you Absolutely. should watch this one with him. You should watch it with him. There's nothing super <laughs> no, this, is, this, is, this is me just... I Look, I, we, I think we're well aware at this point what's happening in my brain. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we, it's just... That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. I don't even... I can't even make a good joke about it. <laughs> Jim seems to be doing that for you. I'm yeah. just being mean. I'm sorry. I don't have a good joke. I just have... No, I'm glad we had another person here, though, because I'm... <laughs> completely non-functioning for this our final film that thank is you, supposed to thank be you for, thank you for being my co-host um, this episode it was a pleasure Jim I've been waiting for it for like 30 episodes or however the fuck long this has been this is 30 that's yeah, too bad this is 30. well done is a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios, and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Loyalty Freak. Hell to the King is so tired. So tired. Ha <laughs> 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 <laughs>